This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dr. Dawn on Careers. on SiriusXM channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I lead career coaching for the executive MBAs at the Wharton School. I'm also a licensed psychologist, former corporate recruiter, and author of the book Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success. And I am so excited to be back live with Dion and Dana doing this show and taking your calls every week at 844-942-7866. And we've got a great October lineup for you. Aside from the fact that it is Halloween season and all of our pre-break quizzes will be Halloween-based. Dion, study up. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm on it. (laughs) We have a series of great guests who will be talking about the future of work. So talking about things like new-collar workers, upskilling, reskilling, strategies for you to perhaps learn an entire new career, even if you don't have a degree and you aren't looking to go back for a degree. There's a lot of opportunities now to get the same type of training that gets you well-paid jobs and prepares you for where the market is going. So we are going to spend the next three weeks focused on that. But of course, this show every week is always about you, the listener, and we will take all of your career and job search questions at any time, all hour, 844-942-7866. Switchers are the future of work. Are you ready to reinvent? Well, our guest today is going to share some great ideas on how you can do that. We're very excited to have Obed Lucent joining us. He is the Senior Vice President of Transformation and Culture at IBM. And in this role, Obed leads the areas of leadership, learning, diversity and inclusion, and transformation for one of the largest companies in the world, IBM. He is responsible for reinventing people, systems, and culture to enable innovations in the marketplace quickly. So we are very excited to have him joining us here to share what he's seeing in the market, specifically what IBM is doing, and most importantly, what you can be doing to get ready for the jobs of the future. Welcome to the show. Oh, Obed, we're so excited you're here. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So let's let's dive right in because I know that I have a lot of questions for you and I'm sure listeners may as well. And if you do have a question, 844-942-7866, of course, any and all job search and career questions are welcome on Dr. Dawn on Careers. So let's start with this idea, Ovid, of new collar workers. What is that? What do people need to know? And how are new collar workers going to pave the way for the future? Sure. Um, Thanks for the question. Uh, We started this concept of thinking about new collar jobs about four years ago. So we start um, when we looked at the uh, ongoing talent gap that we had. It was a paradox with there being a talent gap and then also unemployment, and then realized that um, perhaps we need to open the aperture of who do we think of as talent. And and so essentially, the short answer is is in um, their jobs, their good, well-paying jobs that we have decided um, and when we've re-examined to say that it doesn't require a bachelor's degree and instead we're going to prioritize individuals having the right skills. And and now over, that's about half of our jobs here in the U.S. and they're good jobs and software developers, application developers, system administrators, just to name a few. And how is this working at at IBM? When When did you kind of move forward with this and what changes have you seen in in the, the success of the company and the success of workers who are filling these jobs, Obed? Well, the nice thing is, so we started a, uh, several years ago, so the concept in 2016 and then started really rapid movement um, in 17 and 18. So now we've got um, full year um, and multi-year data on how these individuals are performing. And what we find is, is that um, over after about 12 months, there's no differentiation in performance, right? 
from individuals who are um, who did have the requisite degree versus those who did not. Um, and as long as you're focused on hiring for the right skill set and not looking at um, looking at uh, credentials that don't matter as much. And the wonderful benefit is is that it's made us our um, hiring process more inclusive. So we get greater levels of diversity. And then with greater levels of diversity, we get better innovation. Um, and then also, so we, um, the, the, the candidate wins and the company wins. Are you a new collar worker or maybe you're a company that's looking to hire new collar workers? This is the time to call. We have the expert on the line. Obed Lusaint is from IBM and he's the SVP of Transformation and Culture and is sharing with us some of the new innovations in work structures, upskilling, reskilling, and how you as a job seeker, can engage these strategies to advance your career. 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday, noon Eastern, we are live all hour taking your calls at 844-942-7866. So I think, Obed, this is something we're seeing in a lot of companies. A lot of companies are looking at the the four-year degree, which I think, quite frankly, a lot of uh, companies slapped up on the the requirements without really giving a lot of thought to why that was necessary. And they're saying, is this really necessary for these jobs? And so what, why has that mentality shifted, do you think? Um, I, I do think it started with a talent shortage, right, um, and the skill shortage. And then it, um, it's taken... Um, some companies, some players, um, who is really working really hard to build more inclusive workforces. Uh, and, and and we've been one of them that's been on the roadshow and then just demonstrating and showing the value to say, hey, look, um, you know, you can, you can get the work done. You can have a more inclusive um, organization and you can be more innovative if you think differently about how to fill your talent gaps. So once, and what I've what I've noticed with a number of my colleagues um, is uh, inside the organization and outside of the organization is that once they start to see the proof points, right, and then it becomes obvious, and things start to snowball, and then I think, as you say, more companies are adopting and ripping off, you know, those qualifications that um, that don't make sense anymore. They were um, they're remnants of the past. So. If this um, maybe was uh, kicked off by by the talent needs, is there a risk that it will shift back if you know the the you know market changes? Because I think that's something that a lot of people worry about. Is this something that's temporary, or is this truly going to stick? I think it's going to stick. I mean, once um, there are there are certain times where you just have paradigm shifts. Right, and then when we when we know better, we do better. <laughs> and as an organ as organizations now, we know better that those um, that the there is inherent bias when you put in requirements that don't matter. And then you know it's interesting because we find, particularly with women and minority um, candidates, they are likely not to apply to jobs that where they feel like that at least they don't meet seventy percent of the requirement, and they screen themselves out. And then as a result, whereas we have uh, members, other members of the population who if they got 30 to 40 percent of the requirements, they apply. And then so it, so you end up getting a biased applicant view just based on the way in which people look at the requirements. So we have to work really hard not to let that creep back in, um, you know, as, as individuals who are passionate about um, diversifying and creating inclusive workforces that is going to make a real difference in business. And that's that's been our um, that's been our mindset in IBM and a, a number of our peers who think similarly have I think have the same uh, approach. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. You're listening to Dr. Don on Careers on Sirius XM Channel One Thirty Two. If it's Thursday noon Eastern, we are live all hour taking your calls on any job search and career questions. So if maybe you're in a job search right now and you've got Something that's on your mind, we want to help you here on SiriusXM 132-844-942-7866. But for the month of October, we are talking about the future.
future of work, how to reinvent yourself, strategies for finding well-paid jobs that don't require degrees, and how some of the world's most innovative companies are moving forward to match education and competencies to fill their roles and be successful in the market. And today we have Obed Lusaint, who is the SVP of Transformation and Culture at IBM, sharing with us their strategy on new collar workers and much, much more. So give us a call, 844-942-7866. So Obed, if somebody is just hearing about new collar workers for the first time and saying, wow, this sounds like something interesting and it might be for me because I don't have a degree and yet I I would like to get um, a job in a new field or in a company like IBM. What are, what are your recommendations for them? Um, it's to is one is to just seek us out, right? So they can go to um, on a, on our particular website and then look at new collar jobs. Um, so that's one place to start. Also, it would start to think about what are the types of things that they really enjoy doing, right? Um, so. And what are they really good at? So there's, um, so when you're having the most fun, what are you doing? And then what are the things that you thrive and excel at? And then start looking at those particular careers where it's the blend of what you love doing and what you're, what you're really good at. So for example, a number of people um, screen themselves out of a number of tech jobs because they don't have deep technical backgrounds. However, what's most important is not necessarily a depth of technical background because we could build that right through our apprentice programs. We have apprentice programs where you can earn and learn at the same time. But most importantly is your tech curiosity, right? Do you have an interest in it? Are you passionate about it? Um, and then that at least gets you on a path to, um, to then get into an earn and learn type of apprenticeship programs. And we have them. We, we, work with, um, we work with the Consumer Technology Association who is a group of 37 organizations who have like apprentice programs where there's entry-level programs for, for jobs like data scientists, early, um, early programs, or web designers that doesn't require a deep technical skill but more of the curiosity for it. So how do you assess curiosity, Obit? So if someone's out there listening and they're thinking, this is, is sounding better and better and I want to be part of this apprentice program and earn and learn and, and join IBM. Um, you know, what do they need to evaluate about themselves to think about, is this, is this a good choice for me? Do they spend time learning, right? Um, do, you, do you dedicate your, your time to, um, there's tons of programs that are out there and without cost or very low cost, right? So are you spending time learning to reskill? So one of the things you said in the intro is around reskilling or upskilling yourself, right? Are you spending time to do that? That is an indication of your of your curiosity. Um, are you uh, are you taking the initiative um, and then you have a growth mindset? Are you seeking out ways in which to learn some of these um, new skills? And then there's tons of programs that are online where you can start to practice. Um, and then those are the things that we look for in the early conversations, um, as well as, uh, you know, there, we also do tests, right? Um, we do have um, some, some cognitive tests where it does measure, you know, propensity or cure, uh, propensity to learn and curiosity. Um, so if you're a continuous learner with a growth mindset um, you, uh, and you know how to work effectively with, with other individuals, those are, those are the types of skills um, or behaviors that are important in these particular early, um, early in career programs. 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday noon Eastern, you are listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers, Sirius XM 132, and we are taking your career and job search questions all hour long at 844-942-7866. So I have to ask a question, Obe, because I get a lot of calls on the show about um, individuals who are over 50 and they're saying that the market is biased against them. And I'm going to agree. I, I, I think we see that a lot. I think it's difficult to prove. But, you know, if somebody is thinking about, hey, this is this a good path for me? But they might hear the word apprenticeship and think, oh, that might be for somebody who is you know, is, is much younger. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, life experience is, is phenomenal. For one, I think 50 is, for, is quite young. <laughs> so, uh, so from that standpoint, it, 
it's never too late to continue to reinvent yourself. Um, that is true of organizations, and that's true of people. You know, we're a 109-year-old tech company that continue to reinvent ourselves as an organization, right? So it appreciate, and you don't get to be uh, 100 years old in tech without reinventing yourself a number of times over. So from that standpoint, we understand people also have multiple careers in time. People will have somewhere between um, three to seven different careers in the course of their lifetime, especially as we work longer. Um, so there's a number of like-minded organizations who create a program just for that. Like we have a tech re-entry program, right? Individuals who've left the workforce for a number of years, because that's the other category is that maybe I'm Maybe I made a change or I left the workforce for family-related or whatever-related things. There are ways to re-enter the workforce. And, and so I would not let that be a blocker. The only blocker would be yourself um, in a reinvention. So this has come up a few times, and I really want to pull this out, this idea of mindset. I agree with you a thousand percent, Obed, that it is often our mindset, whether it's us looking at a job description and self-selecting ourselves out because we don't have two or three of those skills, whether it's looking at a word like apprentice and earn and learn and thinking, oh, I'm 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 too old for that. Those days are, are over for me. Or whether we're, we're looking at um, a job called UX, UX designer and saying, I I have no idea what that is and not realizing that a lot of people in that field come from backgrounds in sociology and psychology because you haven't yet dug into it. And I think I encourage everybody listening right now, if any of those thoughts are going through your head or you've ever done that, talk to yourself out of something because we want to hear from you because we want to flip that around. Or maybe you did flip it around and and you can share how. Because I know there's a lot of people thinking those things right now and they're becoming their own worst enemy because, you know, hey, if you don't put yourself out there, you don't know. And sure, a job search is going to be filled with rejections because every job isn't going to be the right one. But you can't be the, the biggest enemy and the biggest hurdle to your own success. Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, it's funny because it's going to be full of rejection on both sides because you're going to have options, too, and you're going to say, that isn't the one for me. So um, so you got to get in it in order to have at least have the opportunity to make the choice. So I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, I love that you brought that up, Obi, because I think I think it's something that's happening a lot right now because we are, are isolated, we're quarantining, and you know we're we're kind of left alone with our with our brain, which is trying to in some ways protect us, but in a lot of ways it's kind of right. more tripping us up. Um, we're hoping that we're staying at home, so stay at home as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 get get over this pandemic and, and move on. But um, yeah, these are these are such great points, and if you've got a question um, for Obi, or if you've thought about applying, but you know, like, oh, I don't think I have those skills. We want to help you get over that because the fact is the only way forward is to take that step, to take a risk and to see where it goes. 844-942-7866. So we're talking about new collar workers. We're talking about all these fabulous programs that IBM has and a lot of other companies are instituting. And if you've not heard of them, if this is new information for you, we encourage you to research it. And, and Obed, where can people learn more about it at IBM specifically? So for us specifically, we have a whole site dedicated to New Collar. Um, and it will, and in New Collar will break into a couple of different categories. So for early in career, so and high school students, um, and can take a look at our programs around PTAC. Um, in pre-apprenticeship, um, then there's our apprenticeship programs for individuals of all walks of life, as um, as as we mentioned earlier. So it, it could be earlier in career or it could be later in career. There's also our tech re-entry, um, and then we also have um, some some very specific programs around neuroscience and and veterans and so forth. So check out our new collar. Um, program and we've got uh, you know we've got a little bit of insight for for just about everyone. I was gonna say there's something for everyone. <laughs> That's right. We're about meeting you where you are. The talent needs are just too great, and you know just as you were saying earlier is just take the sh- try or take the shot because 
in this country, you know, even though that there are, you know, that there are millions unemployed, there's still 700,000 tech jobs that go unfilled every day, right? And that's just in one industry. So if you work on getting to the skills, right, um, then it is about getting to those right places. And there's a lot of places where you could build your skills. And the best part is, is IBM helps you do that. Like you said, it's, right. it's not that we're, we're making you do it all on your own. We're going to help you get there. And I love your analogy, Obed, of, of saying we've been around for over 100 years and you have to reinvent to do that. And I think that's so applicable to careers. We, we are no longer in a period of time where you can stay in one career. And even if you stayed in one industry, there's going to be so many changes and shifts that you will have to reinvent in different ways in order to continue to remain marketable. 844-942-7866. We are going to go right to the phones right now with Hector in Texas. Welcome to the show, Hector. What's on your mind today? Hi, Dr. Don. I actually connected with you on LinkedIn last week. And oh, fabulous. I promise that was probably this week. <laughs> well, you, a man who follows through on his promises. We like that. There you go. We love it. <laughs> so uh, thanks for my call. Uh, I, now that I met the, uh, you were mentioning the apprenticeship program, I have realized that um, I'm sort of in between where I'm not considered a fresh graduate uh, or an, appren- uh, an apprentice because of my work history. In this case, it's almost as if it's affecting me from people being open to opportunities that I know are more junior level than my previous role, but I'm willing to do it just so that I can get the, the learning required to fill in the gaps that I may have in the technical background. So it just would be a too long of a story to go down my resume to just summarize it as fast as I can. Uh, but I think I hear what, what you're saying, involved. Hector. I think, I think if I... If I um, I think what you're bringing up is something a lot of people struggle with, that that you're willing to take a step back to take three steps forward, and companies are not recognizing that when you're applying. Is that is that part of what's happening here? Yes. I, I worked my way from a lab technician to a professional senior engineer, but back in college, I was a freelancer doing database development, and I didn't finish my degree. I, I was almost done, pretty much a senior. But now when I go back and apply for things that are my title or my seniority, I was, uh, you know, seven years in the, in the corporate world and I got laid off just recently due to COVID-19 struggles. Um, there seems to be gaps in, in some of like the deeper knowledge in like electronics and computer architecture. And so I always mention I'm willing to take another role that I can work my way up just like I did at this last company. And so that's uh, where the issue is. I actually just, kind of put off uh, being too aggressive in applying to places and interviewing because I noticed it was taking up, I was interviewing every week and it was taking half a week. So instead I've been focusing, thank, thank the Lord, uh, my wife is able to provide for them in the meantime, but uh, but I, I've been taking certifications. I've done some six-week courses in eight hours, some six-month courses in six weeks, uh, AWS, uh, Google IT professional. So the growth mindset is definitely... <laughs> something that I have. In fact, you know, um, that's awesome. There's a, there's a couple of things that you're doing really well, Hector, and some things that might suggest that you think about, um, what you're doing well is you take, you're investing and taking the time and building up your skills. Um, what I would also suggest, make sure that you do is you, you talked about hooking up with Don on LinkedIn, make sure your digital credentials are very well documented and know, right? So, so that's, that's one step. The second thing is, um, you, you know, convert the time that you're just interviewing with a bunch of different organizations to step back and then look at organizations that do have those types of programs that can help you um, enter. So you may enter at a place where, um, uh, as you said, it was a couple of steps back. But what, interestingly enough, with apprenticeship programs is that they're not necessarily all based on the same timeline. So it will go with as fast as you go. And because you have... Um, life experiences and experiences that was tangent to the job, my, my assertion would be that you will progress through the programs faster and then get to back to where, to back to a type of role that you would end because what you're seeking to do is close the gaps that you had along the way rather than starting, um, starting from scratch with somebody that did not have a career in tech. That's why our programs are anywhere between 12 to 36 months. It goes with the pace of the individual. 
Yeah, and you're hearing it from from one of the top experts in the world, uh, Hector. So you couldn't get better advice than from Obed. And I think I misunderstood what you're saying. I think um, I was going down a different road because that popped into my mind. But I think Obed's advice is spot on and definitely, definitely engage your network. Uh, there's a lot of jobs out there, but even when I look at things like LinkedIn jobs or Google jobs, I'm seeing 200 applicants within the first day. And so it, it can be a little bit difficult to untangle um, you know, all of those applicants and, and kind of sift through those. So I do think that our, engaging your network, reaching out on LinkedIn, as, as Obed said, making sure your profile is great. So are you doing that, Hector? Are you, are you, um, tell us what your strategy is. Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, I know that I have a strong network even from outside my work because I uh, was also a dance instructor, professional dance instructor for years. So I know a lot of people that I, whenever I've reached out through there or even in my professional world, uh, given me a, I have given me opportunities. So I haven't had a shortage of interviews. Um, it, it's just when we get down to it, it's, for example, there was an apprenticeship program that required to be out of the workforce, I think, uh, eight, nine months. But I was only down, only down like five, and then looking at my profile, they said, "No, you're too senior for this." Okay, so um, my qualify for this senior position. Well, there's some gaps there, so I'm like, "Yeah." So I haven't <laughs> had a shortage of connections. That I've been able to to leverage and, and manage, and that's why just recently I just relaxed on getting the interviews so that I can sprint through these other certifications that I'm getting. And uh, so the question, I guess, specific is how do I instead of just submitting it and maybe be thrown back because of how long I've been out of the workforce, how do I speak to someone? Or uh, how do I get to those those people that could make a decision or an exception? And I've actually even explored doing a pivot into sales of uh, you know tech sales because I, I've experienced in sales and I don't want to be stuck in the lab all the time. And then they say, well, do you have experience closing? And so I'm trying to relate all of that. And so um, I don't mind taking a step back even if it takes me one or two years to move up. I just uh, want to know what the most efficient way is uh, to get people to be open to those, uh, given those opportunities. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I think what you're talking about, Hector, is something that a lot of people are experiencing too overqualified, quote unquote, for certain things and not qualified enough, not not the ideal candidate for other things. And this happens, I think, a lot. Obed, what, what is your advice as somebody who's interviewed probably thousands of people for the type of feedback that Hector's getting. Yeah, um, I, I think it. You can. You can. You can. One is look for organizations that have those type of long range programs, as, as was mentioning earlier, right? Um, so being selective on the organization and the type of programs that you're applying for would be one. Two, I. Um, and then being in the interview, I think it is um, it's really drawing out from um, the employer of what it is that they're looking for and being clear, right, um, around what are what are the steps that you're willing to take, right? So if you say, look, um, I am I'm seeking to learn and I'm seeking to come in um, and 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 kind of to remake or rebrand myself around this particular around a do- domain or profession. Having that conversation up front um, would be helpful, as well as in you know when you submit the application, when you submit your letter with your with your with your CV. So um, so one is being thoughtful about those types of organizations, and they generally will tell you that in um, in their website or in their material um, or, or on the job boards. Uh, and then so and then two is once you do get that time. Um, is being thoughtful about the types of questions that you ask and other individuals who have they've seen who've come into the organization who've been able to um, to, to remake themselves or go down a different path. Yeah, it, it's well said, Obed. And, and I would say, Hector, one of the things since you've been experiencing this a lot is it, it, I'm just going to summarize what Obed said, be the solution to their problem. You have certainly come... Um, 
through a lot of different technologies. You've learned them. You've been successful. And so I think your examples that you share shouldn't be apologizing for what you don't have, but branding yourself as somebody who has learned quickly, who has been resourceful, who has succeeded in places where you didn't have a deep background, because confidence breeds confidence. And if you're confident in what you bring to the table and show them these examples of where you've excelled, even without the perhaps requisite uh, technology certification, that is going to be incredibly helpful. The referral will be incredibly helpful if your referrals are people who share that Hector's the guy who's going to get it done. You give Hector a challenge, he grabs it like a, like a dog with a bone, and he is going to nail it. Because a hiring manager doesn't necessarily care if you're a switcher, and they don't necessarily care if you have, uh, as we've been talking about, a, a certain degree. They care that you're going to make them look good. They care that you're going to not need your handheld, that you're going to be resourceful and figure things out. And if you can convince them that you're that person, and the fact that you're getting the interview is is great because that's one of the hardest steps for a lot of people, then they are going to see that confidence. And if you have experienced a lot of this kind of negative feedback along the way, one thing I'm also going to encourage you just to do a quick check on is that you're not bringing that negativity into the interview. So when when you get that question yet again, Hector, you don't have this, but you have this and we really need this, make sure you keep your emotions in check because even subtle body language or, or, you know, just eye contact can give away that that is a hot button for you. So just general uh, advice for anyone who's, who's got a red flag like that. That's a really good point, um, Doc, because it, 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 it triggered another thought. It, you might want to practice your interview um, with, with a friend um, or if you know someone who's a, a recruiter, and just practice your interview so that they can give you a sense of what it sounds like or record yourself um, answering a couple of questions and play it back. To see how to see how you sound, um, Hector, and one of and work on your narrative. One of the things that I find in a number of interviews is that people short um, uh, discount the great life experiences that they have. Um, so you know, someone who might have been out of work, um, but they were they were um, managing a difficult family situation. And the amount of triage that they may be able to do, they make a fantastic project manager, right? <laughs> um, so there is certain types of life skills that you build that if you just practice the interview and practice the narrative um, with a friend or just watching yourself after a recording, you might see where are places where you could be selling yourself short in a discussion. Love that. Hector, is this helpful? Is this, I mean, you are speaking to to the master here at IBM. Um, I'd like to think I have a few skills too in this area. So <laughs> were you able to get something that you can take away from this that's tangible? Yes, uh, I think it's being more targeted. And the thing that you mentioned, it is, I've even mentioned, well, I, almost a, um, some of the senior, most of the senior roles that I've interviewed for, I always get to the final round. And I've even brought it up and said, look, usually I know people in my situation that would not have even thought of applying, and here we are really seriously talking about it. So I will, though, uh, however, check a tone because I, you know, I don't know if I <laughs> may, may uh, trigger any, anything, you know, when it comes to talking about any specific example that I don't have the answer to. Because by the end of, at the end of the day, I do have plenty more to show uh, that, that quick study and being able to cope and, and work independently and bring value to the company. So in that regard, I do appreciate your advice. It's very helpful. And um, the next thing is uh, just digging deeper into how making people believe that I'm really willing to take a, a junior role and not because it's not because I can't not find a job. It's just <laughs> because I want to learn something new. Hector, we wish you all the best. Confidence breeds confidence. And I think one of the things Obed said that is worth repeating, please, if you have an interview coming up, practice out loud. 
It doesn't matter um, necessarily who you practice with. If you don't have anybody to practice with, practice with a computer, record yourself. I can't stress how important this is because what, what happens in your brain sounds perfect. When it comes out of your mouth, often it sounds less perfect. So um, great advice, Ovid. Hector, thank you so much for linking in, for sending a personalized message. We love that. And of course, for calling Dr. Don on careers, 844-942-7866. We you're listening to SiriusXM channel 132 and we do have to go to break um, and we're going to do our pre-break quiz. I don't know, Obed, do you want to hang on for a pre-break quiz or do you need to get back to to IBM? <laughs> it's a big day for us today, so I'm going to go go ahead and get back. Have fun with the quiz. Thank you, um, Don, and also thanks, Hector, for calling in. Yeah, Obed, um, we've so enjoyed having you. Congratulations on all of your success at IBM. And um, thank you for all of the fantastic, concrete, actionable advice you've given to our listeners. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. All right. So we need to go to break, but you know what that means. That means we have a pre-break quiz. And if you're on the line, please do hang on because we will get to your call right after the break. But, of course, Dion, we have all Halloween, all October. Quiz. There's a quiz? Okay, my absolute all-time favorite movie, which you should know, Dion. No. Uh, that's no. not that's not the quiz. But I was it's, thinking Twilight Zone, but that but that's a show. No, I like that too. But it's Clue, which <laughs> What? Clue, which came out in the 80s. It's based on the board game and stars the amazing Tim Curry along with an all-star ensemble. Michael Keaton, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Eileen Brennan, Leslie Warren, Martin Mull. You guys need to see this. All right, in the movie, each guest is given an alias like Ms. Scarlet, Ms. Peacock, Colonel Mustard. And so on. So when they arrive one by one to Hill House where the murders take place, what is unusual about each of their cars? I know, it's a very obscure fact. For any Clue fan, you should know this. What is unusual about each of the characters' cars as they drive up to the mansion for the whodunit? If you think you know, 844-942-7866. We would love to hear your guests. You're listening to SiriusXM Channel 132. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. On Business Radio. Welcome back to Dr. Dawn on Career, Sirius XM, Channel 132. We are so excited to be back live in the studio every Thursday at noon Eastern. We've got Dion Simpkins and Dana Cash here making the show sound great as they do every week. And if you've got a question, you can call us at 844-942-7866. And we are going to go right back to the phones with Tiffany in Georgia. Tiffany, welcome to Dr. Dawn on Careers. What's on your mind today? Hi, how are you today? I'm great, Tiffany. I hope you are very well, too. You sound like you're driving, so be careful. <laughs> I, I am, thank you. <laughs> um, so I, I've i been working as a legal staff manager. It's actually with support staff. Um, uh, working with paralegals and legal assistants and admins and executive admins, um, just the operation side of many different departments. Um, I have managed at one point over a little over 100, around 114 people at a time. I have worked my way up in many years to this position, um, and I have did that without a degree. My job will be ending in January, um, and I've been looking. Um, I am whimsical, up, up under pressure. I love what I do. I can think of an operation, slimline, um, budget, um, streamline. I can do all of that in my sleep. I honestly enjoy it. But when I'm looking at other positions and I'm trying to sell my experience. A lot of um, applications that I've had 
basically they're not even accepting my application without the degree present. Right. Would you have any advice um, for life experience? Um, I, I have stellar recommendations and everything. Just life experience versus degree. Right. Um, so, Tiffany, I completely sympathize with you on this. We're hearing this a lot right now that um, individuals like yourself who are wildly skilled um, are, are being knocked out of the applicant tracking system in a hiring process because of something that, uh, you know, one, would have been something you, you would have received probably 20 years ago anyway, and two, has nothing to do with your ability on the job. And I imagine that is feeling pretty demoralizing right now it is yes very much so 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 as we talked about earlier in the show, the good news is that companies are starting to recognize that um, we are all reskilling, upskilling, reinventing ourselves constantly. And the four-year degree is not the end-all, be-all. It's really about hiring talented people who have skills. Now, that that being the case, we're not quite there yet. There's still a lot of companies who use that degree as a differentiator, not because they have any good reason and they probably couldn't really back it up if you if you press them on it I wouldn't do that but um, but because it's an easy way to sort people based on their resume so first off I would say if you've got great references and you clearly have a skill set that's very high in demand right now I mean operations budgets managing people these are I'm seeing the jobs like these all over I think one thing is um, looking at companies who don't have that degree aspect as part of their culture. So some companies are just going to be very stubborn about it. I would imagine that law firms would fall into that category. Um, Other companies are not going to, especially progressive companies, tech companies, as we've been talking about, because they recognize that that they need somebody who can come in and do the job. So that person who can come in and do the job has those life skills like you do, Tiffany. So I think that's first and foremost. Secondly, I'm wondering what your ratio of applying online versus um, getting referrals has been in your job search. Um, when you say getting referrals, do you mean like the other people that I've worked with, that I've reached out to, um, people that are aware of my skill set and my work ethic? Is that what you're asking? Right. So I'm wondering if the, the places where you're applying, there's somebody either who's in the company who can shepherd your resume along to the hiring manager or HR and say, hey, you really need to... Um, interview Tiffany because she's got great skills like that that level of um, networking right so I I have reached out because I work with a lot of other um, outside entities um, and in in government so I have reached out and the people that have come back and said hey you know we have this position it pays like thirty thousand dollars less but I can get you in the door. So I'm kind of like, oh, $30,000 less? Yeah, so I, I, the people that has reached back out to me, the actual positions are like really lower paid. It's, it's, those, it's those positions that we really need your skill set, but we cannot pay you. Right, right. And so so one thing on that, um, you may want to interview for some of these roles if they're of interest to you for, for two reasons. One, if you go in there and show them what you're capable of, um, chances are there are other roles in the company and they may consider you for other roles. I've seen this happen a number of times where somebody says, you know, why, why are you not applying for a higher level job? And, you know, you're you clearly have the skills for it. And so they recommend you for perhaps a higher level job. The other thing is um, 
perhaps government is less flexible, but a lot of companies do negotiate. And so when they know the skills you bring to the table, um, 30000 is probably a lot for them to negotiate. So I want to be clear that, that, that you're not going to probably get that kind of bump, but you probably will be able to negotiate more based on the level of experience that you have. I also think it's just good to start interviewing and talking to people and start sharing your skill sets because, again, this is something that we all need to practice. None of us are are born great interviewers, and if we haven't done it for a while, going on some interviews can really help you not only hone your skills, but also start to learn what businesses are looking for. Start to learn what their critical problems are and, and then match your strengths to those critical problems. So I think I think there's a couple of reasons to to interview. And then my other thought is, are you on LinkedIn, Tiffany? I am, but I can I can tell you that I haven't been on there in years. But I do have a LinkedIn profile. So yeah, and you're not alone on that. I know that's that's something that we hear a lot. And I think right now it's more important than ever because a lot of companies are hiring what we call passive candidates. So they're looking for people with your exact skills and they're doing searches on LinkedIn and reaching out. So I think one of the things that will help you a lot is looking at your LinkedIn. There's a number of LinkedIn learning courses that that or even just, you know, general tools you can find online articles that talk about how to build a strong LinkedIn profile, um, how to to uh, you know, put your headline as words that people are searching for, having a good photograph that's updated because I, I, I will tell you a lot of employers as well as people in your network will look at your LinkedIn profile first and they will that will be their first impression. And if you have one but it's not been tended to or you have very few contacts or it's obvious that you haven't updated it in a while, that's going to be a negative first impression. And I find this a lot that people go there first and then they, they kind of write you off because they think, oh, well, this person isn't um, really actively growing and learning and, and, and tending just from that profile. Now, that may or may not be true, but it happens. So I think that's going to be another really helpful step for you, Tiffany, is to not only update your profile, make sure it's current, make sure it showcases your most marketable skills, but also... Um, start to connect with everybody you know, reach out with a personalized message, um, you know, connect with people and, and tell them, hey, you know, here's what I'm here's what I'm looking for. I would love to have a conversation for, you know, people you already know. And then look at the second level contacts that start to grow from the first level contacts that you grow. And I think this is a strategy that tends to be very, very helpful for people. So I think that's going to be one of the first things you want to do on your list. Um, Tiffany, we wish you all the best. Thank you so much for calling us on Dr. Dawn on Careers. I think the LinkedIn, I think going on these interviews, you've got all of the skills you need to be successful. And it's just about showcasing them to your network so they can get you in the door. You don't need a degree. And for all of the people out there who say, I don't have a degree and this is holding me back, I know it is. I know that this bias is in the workplace. So recognize that companies are going to see this as a red flag, but then have the confidence to show them what you bring in terms of tangible results. Because at the end of the day, every hiring manager will pick tangible results over a degree. You just have to not apologize for not having it, but rather show them what you do have. 844-942-7866. We are going to go to Kelly in California. Welcome to Dr. Dawn on Careers. Kelly, what's on your mind today? Hello, just calling to ask about how to improve situations where now that we're having women in more senior level um, positions, and I know everyone focuses on how men treat women in senior level positions, but really that question of how women tend to treat women in senior level positions. So if you have uh, alpha females in the office and you're the senior level executive, um, how do you deal with the, the undermining, the undercutting, um, the kind of queen bee alpha female syndrome um, in the office and still be while you're trying to be an effective leader? 
So you're managing a team, Kelly, that you're where you're seeing this behavior. Right. Okay. Tell us what you've tried. Um. So basically, what what occurs is literally when you're giving out uh, recommendations for things to do, or when you're tasking and everything like that. Um, people portraying themselves as though they know how to do different things, but when it comes to that female giving directions, then all of a sudden you don't know what to do. Or just improper tones of voice, um, improper, like, rolling eyes, and that's not something you would ever do to your male supervisor. Right, right. It's, oh, so it's the men who are... are or, or it's the women who are, are rolling their eyes when a woman gives a, a directive, but not when the men give man gives a directive. Correct. Got it. So, yeah, so this sounds like it's definitely part of the team culture, and team culture can be difficult to to shift. But I find a couple of things, and as we're wrapping up the show, I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle a couple of off. Um, I know companies will immediately go to training or coaching, and I'm not saying that's a bad idea. But if you don't follow it up with something that holds people accountable, then training or coaching tends to be a nice thing to have, but not a something that changes the workforce. I think. People tend to act on what they're rewarded on, and a lot of our performance management systems in big companies are, are you know, again, nice to have. They're checkboxes, but they're not enforced, or they're not clear. They're not clear about what, um, you know, collegial behavior is. It might say that, but what is that? Collegial behavior is not rolling your eyes when someone gives you an instruction. Collegial behavior is asking if you can help out with a project. Collegial behavior is these things. So I do think that that there needs to be some clear performance management. There needs to be um, some clear holding people accountable to these behaviors so that people start to recognize that these are things that are going to impact perhaps their salary, perhaps the projects they get, and perhaps the rest of their team. And I do think pairing that with some type of emotional intelligence type training, or if there's a particularly difficult situation, you might need to bring in a coach for somebody so that they can start to be aware of this. But I do think that individuals need to come at this from a variety of different ways, performance management, accountability, maybe some team training where the people understand where um, they have similarities that they might not understand they had before, and perhaps some coaching. So there's a number of things. I will say this is a tough problem because culture is very difficult to change. But if you're talking about a small team or a small department, coming at it with these ways, being open, addressing it um, in a group and saying we are going to we're going to make some changes here and this is what it's going to look like by not necessarily singling anybody out in that group but just saying here's what here's what our team is going to do to be successful and this is the behavior that we're going to expect of everybody as a professional. Kelly, good luck with this. Thank you so much for calling us on Dr. Dawn on Career Serious XM 132. And yet again, we will not have time to answer our pre-break quiz. The show is just so good, though. Oh, Dion, you're you're just you're just like happy that that you have like a week to think about this. I, I might have to see the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have it. I can I have it on on disc. I have it. I probably have it on VHS. Why, why do you have two copies? Well, because it's a great movie, and if you watch it enough, it wears out, right? Um, <laughs> So, all right, Dana, you need to think about the answer, too. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. But we will answer it next time. We will be continuing our Future of Work Reinvention Upskilling New Collar Workers series next week with a VP from Amazon, our Dean Williams. So we're very excited about that. And I want to thank Obed Lusaint who joined us today, SVP from IBM of Transformation and Culture, sharing his great advice. Of course, all of our listeners and callers, we love speaking with you every Thursday. We're live on SiriusXM 132. And of course, Dana and Dion, and it's so great to be back in the studio with you here on Business Radio. We'll see you next time.
For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.